The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. All right, welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show, everyone. My name is Sabrina Calazans, and I am the Managing Director at the Student Debt Crisis Center. And today we're doing the SDCC takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. We have a lot to discuss today as usual, but we're gonna be talking specifically about the not so smooth return to repayment, an important upcoming deadline, which you should definitely pay attention to. And we're also going to cover a bunch of frequently asked questions that we've been receiving from folks. But before we dive into any of that, I'm joined today by some of my colleagues. Today, I'm here with SDCC's Senior Policy Advisor, Spencer Dixon. How's it going, Spencer? It's going well, Sabrina. Great. And I'm also joined by our Special Projects and Free the Degree Director, Sabrina Ashley Saraceres. Welcome to the show for the first time. How's it going? Hey, it's going well. Thanks for having me. Of course. And for those folks who don't know, at the Student Debt Crisis Center, we believe that by centering the needs and voices of borrowers and partnering with allies, we will impact public policy and end the student debt crisis once and for all. And if you want to learn more about our work or read through borrower stories, you can visit our website at studentdebtcrisis.org, or you can find us on social media at X, Facebook, and Instagram at at debtcrisis.org. All right. So with all of that in mind, we're going to jump in to our talking points for today. And the first one is return to repayment. Spencer, as our senior policy advisor, I'm going to toss it to you to cover a lot that's been going on, specifically the servicing errors that we've been hearing from so many people. So what's going on with all of that? That's right. As borrowers remember, interest on federal student loans kicked in in September and payments uh, began uh, coming due in October. And ever since then, and even going back to the summer, tens of millions of borrowers have been struggling through the uh, incompetencies and poor planning and downright mismanagement of the federal student loan servicers. What that's looked like in effect for most borrowers is incredibly significant delays in processing applications, including for the new SAVE program. In response, thankfully, the, the Biden administration did release new accountability measures and is requiring servicers to hold borrowers harmless by putting them into an administrative forbearance, which does pause payments and interest while still accumulating IDR and PSLF credits for borrowers. However, I can say this uh, from personal experience, communication to borrowers about this forbearance has been confusing and it often cases completely lacking, uh, leaving borrowers bewildered as to um, what their situation is and what action they need to be taking. Yeah, I know this has been very frustrating as a borrower myself. I believe we're all borrowers on this call. And so we know what it's been like to deal with our servicer. And I know you've even coined a little nickname for your servicer, Nelnet, being Hellnet, which has been the true experience of working with these servicers for so many folks. Sabrina, um, I thought that was our little secret, but I guess now uh, the word's out. I guess out. it's out there, <laughs> the word's out. <laughs> um, and Sabrina Ashley, we're gonna talk a little bit about the Free the Degree campaign shortly, but before we get into that, we're also hearing how this return to repayment is really impacting young people and young borrowers. So 
what have we been hearing about that? What's going on with everything? Yeah, um, Sabrina, it's really disturbing, to be honest, um, hearing all of these complaints from younger borrowers. You know, it's supposed to be easier for younger borrowers. We've had all these updates with these return to re or repayment programs and types of loans, but there's actually an article by CNBC that recently came out that summarized it pretty well. Um, and it's sad. They were reporting that around 32% of Gen Z borrowers were not able to afford to go home for the holidays um, because of their student loan payments. They just couldn't afford it. So they have to pick between their families or making payments, which is sad <laughs> to say the least. Um, and it really hurts to hear that. Um, they're also having to just rely on their parents. You know, some parents have their own Parent PLUS loans that they have to pay as well. Families are just having to really stretch themselves thin to make it work. Um, at this time of year, that's supposed to be really happy and, and joyous around family. Um, and, you know, it just fosters fear around student loans. A lot of students are, and Gen Z borrowers are saying that they wish that the holidays were just canceled altogether, which is really, I don't know, heart-wrenching to hear because they're just so afraid to miss a payment on their student loan and what could happen with that. Definitely heartbreaking. You know, I can't even imagine. It, it's, it's so stressful to already have to make that payment and then to not be with your loved ones or be able to see folks that you haven't seen for a long time is just, you know, adds another level of, of injury there and insult to folks. And so I, that's really heartbreaking to hear. That's definitely, you know, we're fighting for student debt cancellation. I know Spencer's going to get into that a little bit and talk about where we are with all of that. But we also mentioned right at the top of the hour that there is um, an important deadline that is soon to come. And so Spencer, this is something that folks should definitely be aware of. And so I would love for you to jump into that and talk about what is this deadline? What do folks have to do and what they need to know? That's right, Sabrina. Um, the information that we are working with right now is that the deadline is the end of this month, the end of the year, December 31st, 2023. And it's a deadline to consolidate your federal student loans. And as the name suggests, for most borrowers, it's about combining multiple loans together, but the real benefit is it unlocks eligibility for a ton of federal programs that can provide real relief to borrowers. In particular, the administration is gonna be finishing what they're calling the one-time account adjustment, which is essentially the department going through every single student loan borrower and squeezing out as many of the payment credits that borrowers can get towards IDR and PSLF forgiveness but that only can happen if those are federally owned loans, and that's where consolidation comes in. Um, those that would benefit would be those borrowers with older commercially held FFEL loans, and that basically are, are loans where they were federal loans, but if you had to make payments during the, the pandemic payment pause and they were federal loans, you almost definitely have older commercially held FEL loans, and those are exactly the kind of loans that need to be consolidated before the end of the year in order to benefit from this account adjustment that's due to happen in the spring. Another group that would really benefit are those borrowers who took out loans for undergrad, then went to work and entered repayment, and then went back to school. So would parents who still have their own debt from when they went to school, and they then took out Parent PLUS loans for their dependents. 
In both of these cases, the repayment credits from the older loans will be applied to all loans, including those newer loans, speeding up borrowers' pathway to forgiveness. But remember, the deadline is the end of this month, December 31st, and all you have to do is apply by. It's sort of like the postmark uh, on, your, on your ballot when it comes to voting. It just has to be in by the end of the month, and then it'll be processed. Yeah, that's really important information. Thank you for that, Spencer. And for folks who don't know, how do you can consolidate? Where do you go? Where do you find what kind of loans you have? That information is really critical. So where can folks find all of that? Great question. At studentaid.gov. If you've never been or maybe it's been a while and you don't remember your password, any borrower can go in using um, your your social security number, your birth date to set a new password and, and log in. And you'll be able to go in, see your loans, what kind of loans they are. And the consolidation application uh, is an online application. And it's right there on your studentaid.gov portal. And, and again, remember, December 31st, end of this year, end of this month is the deadline to get that done. Awesome. Thank you. So again, studentaid.gov. And I know we've been talking about studentaid.gov with not just folks who are consolidating, but it is essentially the place where you can find anything related to your student loans. And we've especially been talking to younger folks, maybe recent graduates, all of those kinds of you know students, things like that, and just getting them familiar with all of this. And that just reminds me of the work that we're doing with young people. And so Sabrina Ashley, you are the Free the Degree Director at SDCC. And so can you talk a little bit about what is Free the Degree and kind of what we're trying to accomplish with this campaign? Yeah, sure. Um, well, Free the Degree is a nationwide campaign and it's dedicated to advocating for accessible, um, debt-free and ultimately free post-high school education, which would be amazing. Um, and it really has started to develop into an incredible um, network of students that are just all across the country, uplifting each other, running for office, and you know, understanding each other's needs and joint letters and just supporting each other. That's really great. And for people that want to get involved with Free the Degree, what is the handle on social media? Um, on Instagram and X, it is at Free the Degree. All right. So if you want to get involved with Free the Degree and learn more about what they do, you can check out at Free the Degree on X and Instagram. Stay tuned. We're SDCC and we're taking over for the Leslie Marshall Show. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. All right, welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Sabrina, and I'm joined by SDCC's other Sabrina and Spencer. Today, we're taking over for Leslie Marshall and discussing recent developments in the student debt space. If you've been following along, which I'm sure a lot of folks have been, um, it's been a bumpy ride, to say the least. Um, the president had proposed a student debt cancellation plan. It then ended up at the Supreme Court. It was then struck down by the Supreme Court. But then the president said, wait, we're going to do a plan B. And so we've been currently in the plan B process. And so student debt cancellation is not completely off the table. But Spencer, who is our senior policy advisor and knows way more than I do, is going to talk about that process and what folks can expect in regards to the timeline and who is going to benefit. So Spencer, I'll kick it over to you. Thank you, Sabrina. So just this week, we had um, the, the Negotiated Rulemaking Committee, or NEGREG for short, 
um, that committee meet for the last time. And this is a regulatory process that the Biden administration must go through in its second attempt at broad-based student debt cancellation. As you noted, after the Supreme Court's radical decision striking down President Biden's first plan. So, you know, this meeting was a, a meeting of stakeholders, and it, it's a requirement for the, the regulations to go through this process. Uh, and the, the administration released a tentative plan uh, earlier this week that stakeholders had a chance to provide feedback to. But from our perspective at the Student Debt Crisis Center, this plan does not go far enough, does not provide enough relief to enough borrowers, and includes far too many jumps and hurdles that borrowers have to go through. This is just a tentative plan that the committee will vote on, but um, it'll really be up to the administration to come up with that final plan, which is due out in May of 2024, at which point borrowers and non-borrowers alike can provide public comment, put in your two cents about your reaction to the plan. But we are hoping that come May, the administration does release a much bolder and, and broader plan than the one they released earlier this week. Yeah, and then I also saw something recently in the news where some lawmakers had sent a letter to Secretary Cardona kind of like pushing back and pushing for more cancellation. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? That's right. Um, some of the, the student debt cancellation champions that we've worked with, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Chuck Schumer, uh, excuse me, uh, and as well as uh, Representative Ayanna Presley and, and a few others. And this letter echoes some of the concerns of, uh, of the advocates like ourselves that, that this tentative plan does not meet the moment and it does not address the scale of the student debt crisis that we know exists. Um, you know, a couple concerning things about the plan is it imposes pretty low uh, relief amounts and income caps for accumulated interest. So one issue that we've seen that's really been frustrating to so many borrowers is, uh, you know, interest that's accumulated that has grown the uh, the balance more than what they originally took out. And that was a, a focus that the administration released and announced a couple months ago. And we had hoped that that would mean it would allow those borrowers to at least start back where they started. But Unfortunately, you know, there's far too many restrictions on this tentative plan. So the letter calls on eliminating all interest that's gone beyond that original principal amount. It also calls to broaden the relief by extending it to borrowers with a sort of a broad definition of financial hardship. Also, it calls on uh, extending relief to borrowers who've been victims of student loan servicer misconduct, mismanagement, or error. And we know that that not only has existed for decades, but it continues to exist as we return to repayment. And finally, it calls on the administration to further streamline and automate the process so that borrowers don't have to jump through hoops and fill out confusing paperwork, hurdles that have prevented tens of millions of borrowers from seeking the relief of programs like public service loan forgiveness in the past. We, we need to learn from all of these mistakes. This system doesn't work fundamentally, and we're relying on the administration to be bold and to, to provide the needed relief that borrowers need in this moment. Amen to all of that. You said it correctly. We're fighting and we really need to see reform and we need them to take borrowers seriously. You know, at SCCC, our, our main goal is to amplify and uplift borrower stories and to make sure that they're being 
heard and that changes are being made in accordance to what we're hearing. And so we are definitely, as advocates, going to continue pushing for changes and pushing for things to improve. Um, and one of the ways that we do that is by informing people of what's going on. And we've done that um, in the past and including in this year um, through our State of Student Debt Summit, where we kind of talk about everything that's going on. So we recently did that. We had remarks, you know, from Secretary Cardona and Senator Warren. Um, and so Sabrina, Ashley, can you tell us a little bit about what happened at our summit? Um, you know, just give a brief overview of what went down. Yes. Wow, what went down? There was so much. <laughs> um, well, as you mentioned, you know, I think it was very encouraging. We did have remarks from Secretary Cardona and Senator Warren, and they were just really encouraging us to keep advocating and applauding us for all of our hard work. And when I say us, I don't just mean us at our organization. I mean borrowers and advocates who are all a part of this network and in the student debt space, which was amazing. Um, and then, of course, we discussed tons of updates, several of these updates that we've been giving on this show. Um, and then we also talked a lot about return to repayment and all of the different um, repayment programs that are available. I know they can get really complex, but if I do um, say so, Spencer, you are just so great at explaining all of them in detail and clearly. Um, yeah, we talked in depth about PSLF, um, consolidation, so many good things. Definitely. And, you know, for folks who they want to know more about this information um, and they want to rewatch the summit or previous workshops, um, Spencer, where can folks go to, to see our content? Folks can go to our YouTube channel, of course, uh, and to watch all of our, our trainings and videos, uh, including a series that we did uh, a month or so ago. You know, if you are, if you're a borrower, or maybe you're a friend or family member of a borrower, and you don't know where to start. Well, we've got a 101 video that talks through the basics. Um, if you have student loans and you feel like you, you know the basics, but you want to learn more about forgiveness or consolidation or some of these other um, more advanced topics in 201 or 301, you can check those out as well. We sort of have a curated library of, um, of content that folks can check out and educate themselves and your friends and family so that we can take advantage. While, while we continue to fight for that broad-based cancellation, we can at least take advantage of those existing programs. Awesome, and we love a curated library. And I think you can also find our resource list at our website at studentdebtcrisis.org. Huge shout out to Sabrina Ashley who helped pull that together. So you can go to our website and find a bunch of resources there that can help you with your student debt questions and journey. But stay with us because after this break, we're gonna be talking about some frequently asked questions and do some spitfire round to Spencer. So Spencer, prepare yourself mentally. Um, and we're going to dive right into a little bit more. So stay with us. There's still a lot to discuss. We're really excited to be here. Thanks for listening. Don't leave. So stick around. <laughs> Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is the Student Debt Crisis Center Takeover. I'm Sabrina Kalazin, joined by Sabrina Sarah-Sarez and Spencer Dixon, and we're going to continue our conversation. So earlier on in the show, we talked about upcoming deadlines to consolidate. We talked about the negotiated rulemaking process, 
and what this means for borrowers, for student debt and cancellation, as well as the returns for repayment. And now we're going to shift gears a little bit and just go through some frequently asked questions. Sabrina Ashley, I know that you're a new borrower. I'm a borrower and we have a few questions for Spencer. Um, so why don't we jump right into our first set of questions? I'll let you kick it off. Awesome. Well, Spencer, this is um, a super popular question right now, but what is the SAVE plan and what loans are eligible? Well, the SAVE plan is one of four income-driven repayment plans available to federal student loan borrowers. It replaced the repay plan that existed prior. It is, SAVE is the most affordable, generous repayment plan in student loan history um, and provides a lot of financial relief. It shields more of borrowers' income from having to go towards their student loans. And starting next summer, it's going to cut the amount that uh, borrowers have to pay on their student loans from 10% to 5% of that, that income above that threshold. Uh, loans that qualify are direct loans, undergrad or graduate loans. However, if you have a direct parent plus loan or a direct consolidation loan that contains a parent plus loan, you're not going to be eligible right away. But there is a process called double consolidation, which if you joined us last time I covered, I'm not going to get into it again. <laughs> you can read it, reach out to us if you have questions. But if you have a Parent PLUS loan, it opens up SAVE if you go through that double consolidation process. Great. And the next question, we already addressed it earlier, but I think it's really important for folks to know. How do I find out what loan types I have or who my student loan servicer is? Say it with me now, studentaid.gov. Um, studentaid.gov. <laughs> Probably should have practiced that. Maybe a little coordination. Maybe, maybe. Next time. Um, studentaid.gov is where you start. Um, and it's honestly a great place to go back no matter what. Um, you know, there's applications for income-driven repayment, uh, PS public service loan forgiveness, consolidation. It's really the clearinghouse. Your student loan servicer is, is sort of your customer service if they're actually providing that customer service. Uh, but, you know, they're the ones processing the paperwork, but studentaid.gov is, is where you start. Great. Um, this next question is about IDR plans. So, Spencer, if I am enrolled in an IDR plan, how am I supposed to know if my repayment period is 20 years or 25 years? Great question. So let's put public service loan forgiveness aside for a second, because that, as long as you sort of meet all the qualifications and you you continue to, that's a 10-year repayment. But let's put that aside. For, for borrowers not pursuing public service loan forgiveness, uh, most of the time, if you only have undergraduate loans, you'll be in, in repayment for 20 years under the IDRs. However, there's always complication, right? If you're on the pay as you earn or pay, P-A-Y-E, if you're on that uh, IDR, it's one of the four, you'll have a 20-year repayment no matter whether you have undergrad or grad. So otherwise, if you have any grad loans or if you have a parent plus loan, you'll be in repayment 25 years. Awesome. And I do actually have a follow-up question for you. Um, we get this question so many times. What if I'm in an income-driven repayment plan or IDR plan and my payment is $0? Does that still count as a qualifying payment? 
It does. And that's the real power of being in an IDR for low income or no income borrowers. It locks in a zero dollar payment, but that payment and I'm using air quotes. I know we're on radio, but uh, air quotes here, uh, you know, that's still going to count for the credits that you need to accumulate to um, get forgiveness through IDR or public service loan forgiveness. That was a great question. Um, one of the things we also hear from folks is, can I be enrolled in an IDR plan like SAVE and also pursue PSLF at the same time? And this is definitely something we cover on our workshop. So Spencer, is that possible? Yes, and it's definitely the preferred pathway to forgiveness because for public service loan forgiveness, you know, you have to work for 10 years for a qualified employer and you have to be making payments during that time but you really wanna make as, as low of a payment as possible and defer as much of that to the forgiveness pile at the end of your 10 years of service and payment. So being in an IDR and especially SAVE, which is the most generous plan and has the lowest payments for most borrowers, that's the best one to be enrolled for most borrowers as you're pursuing public service loan forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So, Let's say that we have gotten to that point. We have the cancellation. Um, is that taxed? Great question. So um, on the federal level, all public service loan forgiveness is tax free and will be as long as the program exists, which it will be. Uh, for other forgiveness, whether that's hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, any broad-based cancellation from the Biden administration or cancellation through these IDR plans after the 20 or 25 years that we talked about, that is treated tax-free on the federal level through the end of 2025. It's a temporary treatment that SDCC is going to advocate to make permanent. So hopefully, you know, we get some broad-based cancellation in that period and folks can um, have that that forgiveness tax-free. On the state level, it varies. And we have a um, informative map that um, I created uh, that shows what the treatment of state income tax is uh, around the country. Uh, and I know it exists somewhere and I think maybe we've tweeted it or we'll put it up on our website maybe. <laughs> we love a map, so excited yeah. to see that. <laughs> um, for people who are married, so not the single ladies, is someone's spouse, spouse's income included in the IDR payment calculation? Yes, with the exception of the SAVE plan if you are married and file separately. So I know for a lot of married couples, your tax status is sort of set, right? You've made those decisions in the past and that's sort of been on autopilot. What I would suggest doing is either talking to a tax professional or, or just looking at some of the side-by-side -side yourself and determining would, as a family, you save more by filing separately and allowing a greater savings on your student loans versus filing separately and jointly on your taxes. And that's going to depend family to family. But if you're trying to get a lower payment, I would suggest doing uh, married and filing Mm -hmm. I'm safe. Awesome. Um, all right. This next question can have a lot of complicated answers, I know, but we get this so many times. 
what options are there for parent plus loans and borrowers and where can we find some information on this all right there are three answers to this question that are all the same or they're all different and correct but it depends on the circumstances so if you have a parent plus loan and you haven't done anything to it you only can repay it through the standard plan or sort of other versions of the standard plan but it's not eligible on its own to enroll in any IDRs. However, if you consolidate it once, you're eligible for ICR, Income Contingent Repayment. It's the stingiest, it's the most expensive. It, you know, for a lot of borrowers, it can help, but it still can be a big burden financially. If you consolidate your loans twice through that process of double consolidation that I spoke about, you can have your Parent PLUS loan repaid through SAVE the much more affordable IDR. Now, there is information on our website. Um, there is a link that I know we, we link to in some of our resources to the Massachusetts Office of the Attorney General, which has provided a step-by-step -step guide about how to do that. And it's really important to follow all of those instructions. So like a lot of student loan things, there's no simple answer, but that's the most complete answer for all those cases. All right. If someone is enrolled in an IDR plan that's not SAVE and they want to enroll in SAVE, are they able to? Um, and will that restart their credit? Very simple answer, if possible. Sure. Um, yes, you can change IDRs. Um, the, the pay plan is retiring at the end of 2025, so it'll go down to three. If, if you're a borrower who's never enrolled in an IDR, you'll be able to only enroll in three starting starting then. But Generally speaking, you can change and the previous time in repayment will count towards the credit. All right. Well, Spencer, give yourself a big pat on the back because you did phenomenal. We'll be back right after the short break where Spencer gets to take a little bit of a rest. Um, stay tuned. This is the SDCC takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Sabrina from the Student Debt Crisis Center, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Sabrina, Ashley, and Spencer, and we still have a lot to cover, so stick with us. There are a ton of programs that are available to borrowers, whether you're in default, whether you work in public service, or you're trying to pursue an income-driven repayment plan or program, there is something here for you. So, Spencer, why don't we take it step by step and kind of go over the existing programs that are currently available to borrowers? Great. So I'm going to start off by talking about the income driven repayment slash public service loan forgiveness account adjustments. So I'm going to step back a second here. So as we know, the student loan servicers have not always lived up to their mission, and I think that's being very diplomatic. That goes back decades, and the impact that has on borrowers is that they've missed out on opportunities to get on a pathway to forgiveness. They've missed out on being able to um, pay less each month by being enrolled in an income-driven repayment plan. The communication wasn't there. The uh, There was just incompetence uh, or, or more malicious behavior where servicers were enrolling borrowers in programs that they benefited from, from the servicer standpoint, but the borrower didn't in the long run. To fix this at a systemic level, 
the Biden administration is in the middle of, and next year will finish, a process of going through every student, federal student loan borrower, and going back and retroactively counting as many credits. And when we say credits, we're, we're saying payment credit to be able to get them on a pathway to forgiveness. We know that public service loan forgiveness is 120 monthly credits. That's equivalent to 10 years of repayment, 10 years of, of public service work. For those not pursuing that, it's 20 or 25 years. But for many borrowers, they, they didn't even start that clock. And so the administration is turning back the clock, if I can extend the metaphor, and, and counting all of those credits as much as it can. And so you might have seen some of this in the news. You might have seen Biden administration cancels $8 billion in student loan debt. Biden administration cancels, you know, $22 billion. You know, this comes out every few, few weeks or months. This is what we're talking about. The administration started with older, bar, older uh, loans those that were closest to those um, those thresholds of forgiveness, those are who are um, are receiving that forgiveness through that through this program already. But for borrowers who may have loans that are not as old, they're still going to benefit because they're going to get those maximized credit. And this is happening for those newer borrowers late uh, this coming spring or early summer of 2024. And this, if I can go back briefly goes back to that consolidation deadline. Only federally owned student debt can go through this process just legally. And so for borrowers that have federal loans that aren't owned by the government, you can consolidate them and convert them into federally owned debt and make yourself eligible for this automatic program. And I want to emphasize, no one has to apply for this. It's happening automatically with the exception of those older loans, you have to sort of make your loans eligible for that automated process. Great, that's really, really helpful. And for borrowers who might be might have defaulted loans prior to the pandemic, I know there's another really great uh, program that exists right now. I actually just heard from a borrower who is enrolled in, who enrolled in Fresh Start, and then he benefited from the IDR adjustment and just got his debt canceled. So that was really great to hear. Um, and so what is Fresh Start, Spencer? That's right. Fresh Start is a um, really a revolutionary approach to getting uh, student loan borrowers out of default. We know that when a student loan borrower goes into to default, there are pretty devastating consequences for their student loans, but more broadly for their financial security. And prior to this program, it was very difficult to get out of default which was unjust and you know this program is is sort of the minimum of what needed to be done but it's a it's a great um, program that streamlines that process the way i would think about it is sort of two two parts of it one is sort of automated that there there are benefits for defaulted borrowers that are sort of in place already but those automated benefits end um, at the end of i think september of 2024 maybe october of 24 the fall of this coming next year. If you're in default, you do need to take proactive action to make those benefits permanent by going and contacting um, the, the, the servicer for defaulted borrowers. And you can also contact studentaid.gov and call the 1-800 number studentaid.gov and say, I'm in default and I would like to enroll in Fresh Start to get my loans out of default. 
and and I, I'll just close by saying the substance of it is essentially, you know, declaring that you're that you want to start over, getting enrolled in an, in an income-driven repayment plan, and and as the name as the name suggests, getting a fresh start without having to go through all these jumps and hurdles that that used to exist for defaulted loans. Yeah, this is definitely a really great program. Are there any other programs, Spencer, that you want to touch upon before we jump to the next point? Sure thing. Uh, one that may have uh, been announced since our last time on the show was uh, the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Buyback Program. This allows borrowers who have already worked 120 months of qualifying employment for a 501c3 nonprofit organization, any level of government, so state, local, federal, um, but they haven't received their 120 credits. So they've worked for the amount of time, but they haven't gotten all of those credits. And what it does is it allows borrowers in, I think, three or four circumstances to go back and essentially retroactively make payments that they would have made during those months. So if you were in certain types of forbearances or, um, or you know, th that sort of thing, deferments, um, you're able to go back and retroactively make those payments to get those credits. Um, I know a lot of this can sound like like monopoly, and maybe it sort of is. But you're you're you need to ac accumulate credits. That's that's the name of the game here when it comes to forgiveness. And the PSLF buyback is a a, a flexibility program to allow borrowers to do that. I would note that the administration is is encouraging borrowers to wait for the account adjustment that I talked about, which will be done by mid to late summer of 2024. If you still don't have forgiveness after that and you're pursuing public service loan forgiveness, that's the buyback will hopefully help you get across the finish line if you've been in service. Great. Thank you for that recap, Spencer. That's definitely very helpful. And then just one thing that I do want to note, because I understand that there may be folks who are struggling, who can't afford their monthly payment, and they're thinking, what can I do? I do want to bring up the on-ramp program. So the department is instituting this 12-month on-ramp to repayment, essentially, which is running from October 1st of this year through September 30th of 2024. So that the financially vulnerable, vulnerable borrowers, excuse me, who miss a monthly payment, who can't afford to make a monthly payment during this time, will not be considered delinquent or reported to credit bureaus, placed in default, or referred to debt collection agencies. It is a protective time. However, this does not; these months will not count towards public service loan forgiveness or IDR, um, but it is just worth noting for folks who cannot make their monthly payment. So we're almost done. However, I would love, Sabrina Ashley, if you can remind us of where folks can go to learn more about their loans, where they can apply to consolidate, where they can learn about all of these programs, where should folks go? Studentaid.gov. <laughs> Memorize it, write it down, put it in your phone, studentaid.gov, and always remember to type it into your browser. We have heard of and seen some scams out there, um, which are very unfortunate. But the best way to avoid that is to just type it in directly into the search bar, studentaid.gov, um, and it'll take you to that site, which is secure. Awesome. And a quick reminder, pop quiz, what is the consolidation deadline? Hmm, December 31st. 
of this year. Of this year. All right. I can maximize those credits December 31st of this year. A plus. Great job. Well, while you all are ringing out the new year, we're just going to be filling out people's consolidation <laughs> forms. Exactly. Exactly. Probably illegal. Um. <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> you have to do it, folks. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to our takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. If you want to learn more about our work or get updates on student debt news or read through Barbara's race, visit our website. You can also find us on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, Instagram and Facebook at at debtcrisis.org. You can visit our website at studentdebtcrisis.org. And again, if you have questions, anything related to student debt, please go to studentaid.gov. Thank you again for being here, for listening, for staying tuned. We appreciate you. Happy holidays and take care of yourselves. And thank you both for being here with me. Thank you, Sabrina. Thank you.